My name is Angela. My name is Nicole. And welcome to the Ominous Stitch Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Elmina Stitch Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. How are you guys doing? How was your week? Oh, my gosh. It's summer. is pretty much almost over, right? Summer, summer, summer time. Except here because it's hot until like November. So. Yeah. <laughs> fall doesn't really happen until no, we it's don't winter. Get, we don't even get then... fall. Yeah. <laughs> we get maybe a week. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's my favorite my favorite I love fall season. favorite season yeah. me too all everything in our family happens in the fall all of our birthdays are in the fall that's right technically two of them are in summer so I have one at the end of August my youngest is at the end of August and then my son is mid-September mm-hmm. and then everybody else is in fall but that's crazy you know it, it, it all feels happens. like everybody's in, in and fall Halloween and Halloween our favorite holiday I love it <laughs> yeah but it's almost over so enjoy if you did if you didn't you know that's cool because it's hot yeah it stays hot I remember when when my oldest was a baby and a we baby. wanted to do the obligatory like pumpkin patch picture for Halloween and she was almost one and she was like because her birthday's in December yeah so you know end of October almost one yeah because math hashtag because <laughs> math so we went to this wonderful pumpkin patch over by where we used to live and um it you know this it's gorgeous they have this big fall festival there mm-hmm. and we had her set up with a bunch of pumpkins and I had her dressed up in these cute little overalls and this oh, long sleeve kind of fall cute. shirt and we had a prop she could stay in but she mm-hmm. wasn't really walking so we would prop her up against a pumpkin and let her just kind of hold on to it love it and it was like a hundred degrees no. outside it was so hot and I she's in that. long sleeves and long pants because it's like, like you what want you that cute fall picture yeah. you don't want her in shorts and a t-shirt it's not summer and my husband was like come on really and i was like yeah we need the cute picture and i stopped trying to do the cute pictures after that because she was so uncomfortable she's like oh, oh poor baby so we changed her and we're like okay fine yeah we're done <laughs> we're done get your you picture, get your picture. That's funny. Well, it's not worth it for the picture, people. It's not. (laughs) You think so at the time, though. Yeah. When you're a new mom and you you know, you want the perfect picture. You want everything, right? Yeah. And then once you have another another one, one, you're like, man, screw it. I'm tired. (laughs) Real life is way better than what you portray in photographs. Seriously. It's so much more fun. Yeah. Because then you can see the memory happening at that moment. You You know exactly exactly how they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's way more fun that way. I love it. Yay. Yay. Well, what's got you in stitches? Oh, guys, I have jury duty this next week. Yay, jury duty. So I don't know how they do it in other states, but in California, you don't know if you have to report to the courthouse until the night before. And And they call you, right? You call them. That's right. I remember that. 7 p.m. So you can call from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. to find out if you have to report to the courthouse or not. And I'm like, 
I have kids. So like, how do you, how do you handle that? I have grandparents on call. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I might be calling you tonight to see, to tell you, Hey, come hang out with my kids. And they have school and it's like, Oh my gosh, why? This is like the worst week. Why can't you call me in for jury duty? Because that's how it works. Over the summertime, you have to do it. And by the way, they're doing it the week my kids start school. Yay. (laughs) So So it's not chaotic enough. Yeah. Yeah. So I have two that are going back to elementary school, but one is starting junior high and I have jury duty the same week that she starts junior high. Well, hopefully you don't. Hopefully, knock on wood, knock on wood. that, you know, I just call in and they tell me that I'm not needed for the entire week. Or, or. I go in on Monday, I report to the courthouse because they don't have school on Monday. Yeah. I report to the courthouse on Monday. I spend however many hours they want me there and then they release me and I'm done with jury duty. I hope duty. either one. I hope, I hope for the first, the, the former. Right. Yeah. Where I go in on Monday and then that's no, it. No, no. I hope that they just don't need you at all. Oh, that I have to call every night oh, and no, no, anticipate no, like no. being on call but, like, every call night you for and a be week. Like you're done because that happened to me. I, 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 if I can recall, I got jury duty not too long after I moved to California, mm-hmm. and I called and they were saying, "Oh, you don't, you don't need to come in." And it was like the first or second phone call I had to call. Oh, but you call every day for a week though. No. Did you not call the rest of the week? No. They said your report. You're, you're done. You're done. Yeah. Your jury duty is done. Oh, yeah. see, that's never happened to me. Oh, I've, I've. <laughs> I got lucky. I so guess. this is my fourth time, I think, calling oh, in for jury geez. duty. So this is what happens. I think they say this is not what happens. But every time you move and we moved a year ago, oh, guys, no, your name kind of goes back, back up, goes back up. So it's like uh, yeah. it's like Hunger Games. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not like Hunger Games. It was tribute. Yeah. No. But no, I've I've only had to report to the courthouse once. And luckily, it was a courthouse that was close by where I live. And this one is also going to be a close by because we're in L.A. County. It could be any courthouse That's in Los true. Angeles. And I think the last time my husband had jury duty, he had to go to a courthouse far away. No. This one's pretty close okay, good. to where we live. Good, so good, it's good. not it's about 20 minutes. It's not that far. So that's at least good. good. And and if I report there, but I learned that I can't bring my crochet with me because hooks are considered dangerous. I could stab <laughs> somebody with it. Not with a crochet needle. Yeah. So I was so Boo. bummed because I was so going to bring my bag I and just too. crochet. I just crochet the whole time. Yeah. Have time to do it. They make you watch a video and then you have to take a test after the video, but they're like you can't bring well it doesn't specifically say crochet hooks but it says knitting needles so I'm like okay that's probably going to include hooks I shouldn't bring them because they're I don't want to risk it and have them take them yeah but man I was like dude really yeah that's messed up Uh, now (laughs) what am I going to do the whole time play on my phone (laughs) I'll take a book I'll read a book oh read a book read a book Jury duty. You have to watch it on Amazon. Oh, yes. Nicole was telling me about this show. I I watched part of the first episode, I think. But so just quickly set it up. It's a funny, it's on Amazon if you have Amazon Prime. And I'm not going to give it anyway. My my husband's like, you've got to watch this. He watched it and then he made me watch it with him. And it's so good. So it's it's funny. It's a reality show where this guy thinks he's doing jury duty. And there's a documentary on jury duty. But really, he's the only one that doesn't know that everybody around him is acting, including the judges and the... The The bailiffs. Yes, everybody. 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 (laughs) And it's so good because just a little glimpse he's just so pure of heart 
Oh, it's a feel good show. Oh, yeah. I love that. I got to give that to you. So do you remember years ago in the 90s, they did that with like a dating show? I think it was a dating show. I think they called it Joe Schmo. Maybe oh, it wasn't a dating show, but it was maybe. like some kind of reality show where everybody was an actor except for this one person. And they were putting him through challenges and everybody was acting and reacting. And he had such a pure heart that the entire cast was like, no, we want to like rewrite the show because they were getting pages every day of what they needed to do to get reactions out of the Joe Schmo. And he was so sweet and so pure of heart that they were like, I can't do that. I can't be mean. I can't do that to him anymore. And so they kind of like changed the whole concept because he was just such a sweet, kind-hearted person. Isn't that nice? That's so sweet. Yeah. I was like in the 90s. So of course everybody was like <laughs> nasty in the 90s. They like, well, they were like, they or were so into, yeah, they were like so that. into that reality that you have to be mean to get ratings. Yeah. Like, yeah. Be, like catty. 2000s, I hated early that. 2000s, early 2000s. Yeah. 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 Well, boom. Oh, so funny. But anyway, yeah. Jury duty. Watch it. Yeah. Okay. So I hopefully will. that'll get you like into it yeah so maybe you're on a reality show i'm hoping that i don't get called in or if i get called in i don't have to actually go into a courtroom knock on wood every time i've gone i haven't been called into the courtroom i've been dismissed before getting to that part so hopefully i don't get to that part because my husband got to that part one time but then he was and he was chosen as an alternate which meant that Ooh, he, he had, had to stay, to stay <laughs> but then they did dismiss the case and he got to go Phew. home so yeah okay so hopefully, Good luck. yes, knock on thank wood. you. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. <laughs> Knocking on my head. <laughs> knock, knock, knock on wood. I think I better knock, knock, knock on wood. My dog is staring at me like, ooh, I like that song. <laughs> Such a fan favorite on the podcast. Yay, Rose Dog. <laughs> so, Nicole, what's got you in Stitches? What's got me in Stitches is that it's hilarious to me that I love horror movies right yeah every horror movie even those dumb ones I'll still rate it a negative one but I watched it all <laughs> right I watched it all I'll watch it just because I need to watch it and I'll uh -huh. watch a horror movie what I can't handle for some reason are the weird dramas like shows and movies so for example my husband's got he was he's like you gotta watch this show with me and it's called hijacked it's on okay. Apple TV because the reason uh -huh. why we have Apple TV is because of um, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Okay. I love that show. Uh -huh. So we have it just because of that. So we got in it. It's, it's Idris Elba. Elba? Yeah, I love yeah. Idris yeah. Elba. He's awesome. And I can't handle it because it's just so much tension. Like, because uh -huh. it's, it's about a hijacking of a plane. Okay? Oh. And he's on this plane. Uh -huh. I can't watch it. I don't like it. And I, my husband doesn't know this, but I'll watch it with him. It's gotten not that great. It's kind of doing okay. Mm -hmm. But I just get so anxious. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't know why. Why can't it's I watch? It's not Nicole. I know. It's I, TV. But I love horror movies. They're not really on a plane. I know. Oh, that's funny because you can disassociate the horror and the I trauma that's happening to yes. people. I love scary, but I can't handle But the... if it's a drama, if it seems somewhat based in reality, you're like, no. No, it's too real. Exactly. Like oh, the whole funny. like they're on the plane and they're getting hijacked and it's like like people and they're freaking out and I'm like, I'm stressed out and I, I can't do it. You got to breathe. Yeah. That's like me and watching people doing anything in the water. I can't breathe until they can surface. There and you breathe. go. Yeah. So what is that? Why do I love horror movies where there's jump scares right around the corner and I cover my eyes with po popcorn buckets? <laughs> <laughs> but I can't watch a drama because I just can't like stop. It's not even like stomaching it. Here's it's just what I think. Because horror movies 
are mostly predictable. Sure. You know there's going to be a jump scare around the corner. You know things are going to go silent and dark and they're going to build up tension, but then there's going to be a predictable release. Sure. You know people are going to (laughs) die. You know that the bad guy is usually going to get it in the end or there will be some resolution that makes sense. Yeah. In a hijacking situation or in that reality TV situation, you have no idea because there's no kind of formula for it sure there's no concept for it so you don't know and what's people happen. are unpredictable yep so you don't know what's gonna happen so i don't like to so you're saying i don't like people which is true but <laughs> I, I love horror <laughs> elements like i'll walk up to la llorona but i won't walk up to yeah because you you know you know la llorona's mo you yeah. know what she's you know what she's after you know what she's gonna do but, but she's good she's after my kids and I'd rather watch her than... Yeah, because you know what she's after. <laughs> you know what she's going to do. You have no idea That's what a hijacker is going to do. Yeah. So another example is like the show 24. Do you remember that yeah, show? Yeah. I used to watch Keepers it. Sunday. Yeah. My, my hubs loves that one. I don't like that show. Huh. Because th- because it's... It's drama. It's and drama. It's, and you don't know what's going to happen yeah, in those 24 hours. it's boring hours. though sometimes. Something, yeah. Because it's... <laughs> It's the full hour. You're watching a full hour of this 24 hours. So much happens in that 24 hour period, but yet so much of it is boring. Exactly. And I'm like, do they sleep? When do they go to the bathroom? (laughs) When do they eat? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I watch for when I used to watch 24. Yep. My other thing is I'm like, they're in the same costume for the entire season. They're in the same outfit. Most of them, they don't change clothes because it's a 24 hour day. Right. They usually wear one outfit for that 24 hour period. And I'm like, how does their weight not fluctuate? <laughs> do you ever do that? I'm like, because I'm like, That's I'm watching this. It's it's obviously it's they're shooting it because it's 24 episodes. Right, so right. it's, you know, a long shooting season that they're doing that. And I'm like, how do they stay the same size? Because I can't do that. No, I haven't and, but even that. daily, like even daily, your your body's going to fluctuate depending on what you're eating and drinking. Yeah. So how do you look the same? I don't know. <laughs> how do you look the same? I love it. I feel like I would need like five sizes of the same outfit and of one of those I would fit in at one day. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I don't know. That's funny. But anyway, there you go. I love horror movies. You love the horror movies. I hate drama. And hate the dramas. Yeah. <laughs> Not my favorite, so there you go. But a, you, a little insight into Nicole, <laughs> one of her little peculiarities. I was just like thinking about it though the other day. I was really dwelling on it. I'm like, why does it feel like I can't sit through things when I can sit through others that are just seem more morbid or, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So maybe I just like morbid more. You well, it's. I think it's a predictability thing. Yeah. Like you know the you know what the bad guys after. In the horror movies. But even there's some that are really twisty that I love, you know. Yeah. Stephen King books are the best in that example. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, there you go, guys. I don't know. Interesting. You tell me what you think of Hijacked if you have Apple TV, though. Everybody. Yeah. You can email us at theominousstitch at gmail.com. Let Nicole know what you're thinking about Hijacked. Do you find it as disturbing as she does, or are you disturbed (laughs) by horror? Horror. Horror. We're going to get into horror soon. Not horror, but pretty spooky stuff today. Yeah. Our topic today is urban legends, yeah? Urban legends that turn out to be true. (gasps) Yes. You're going to love it. But let's... It's a really long one, so I'd I'd say we should get stitching. (gasps) Okay, let's get stitching.
Okay, Stitchers. So I'm going to try to keep this quick because I know Nicole is anxious and super excited <laughs> to get into her urban legends. And so am I. Yay. And I feel like I just talked so much in that last episode. <laughs> okay. So what I wanted to talk about today is cabling. So I have cabling. done many different cabling projects. In fact, one of my very first projects is this beautiful Celtic cable blanket that I made for my son. That's right. It's beautiful. You guys have seen parts of it because um, it, it also has the Celtic weave on it. But then that was the first big cabling project I did. And it's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. But Nicole has been like, how do you cable? I don't understand it. It's I been don't. something that she's been talking about for a while. Yep. And I'm working on this one blanket that has this really nice little diamond pattern that is cabling. And I was like, oh, this would be an easy introduction into cabling. So I'm going to tell you guys just a it's little so bit about cool. cabling and, and how you do it. It's actually not as complicated as what it seems because it's just front post stitches. So most of the time it's going to be a front post treble no you've got to tell me what a treble is again so a treble is when you yarn over twice before you insert your hook okay okay so you're gonna wrap the yarn around your hook twice uh -huh. and then you're going to find the stitch that you're going to do the the stitch around okay so you're gonna front post so that means you're pulling that stitch that's to, right to the front. front and then you're going to front post so you're going to stick your hook behind it bring that stitch to the front grab a loop pull it up and then you're going to yarn over pull through two yarn over pull through two yarn over pull through two oh okay. that's a treble so you're yarning over and pulling recently and i was like three what is that? times three times okay. instead of two double is two trebles three like treble triple is three like triple why don't they just they call, call it, it triple? triple i don't know treble <sighs> <laughs> okay. the troublemakers it is yes so that's basically what you do when you're cabling you're just pulling a stitch up and then you're making like usually a treble crochet sometimes a double depending on how long you want your stitch to be or where you're finishing it and you're bringing it up to the height of the row that you're working on so you're going to dive down a row now these are all worked on one side. This is a one-sided pattern. Okay. Right? So you're bringing stitches to the front. So it does have a side that you're doing the cabling and then you have a return side. So, so when call you're it the wrong side. The right? wrong side. <laughs> I hate that. I'll call it a return. Okay. Oh, so, I like that better. Yeah. So to me it's like a typewriter, right? So you're writing on the one side. So you're doing the cabling on one side. This pattern is a diamond shape. So basically what you're doing is you have it starts off with like a row of half double crochets and that's going to be the row that you return back to is the row of half double crochets okay okay so you're going to do a row of half double crochets on, do that. on the right side on the right side and then on the return side or the wrong side it's gonna it's a row of double crochets Got so it. just a row of double crochets now the next row is the row that you start your cabling pattern so this is you're going to dive back down, not on the double crochet row, but on the half double crochet row. So two rows below. Got it. You're going to find a stitch that is told to you in your pattern. So for me, it was the fourth half double in. So I have to count <laughs> four half double crochets in. Okay. And then I'm going to work a treble around that. But before I do the treble, I had to do some single crochets. So you're either doing single crochets on your cable row or you're doing treble crochets for this pattern you're going to follow whatever your pattern instructions are but so for me I did three is it three we'll say three it could be two 
whatever. I did X amount of single crochets before I did my first treble. And what I do is I go back down two rows, do a front post treble crochet around that half double crochet, bring it back up to the row that I was on, okay? Kay. I'm going to skip the stitch behind that. So if I single crocheted in the first two stitches, I will skip that third crochet, that third stitch from the row below. That was our half doubles that I'm single crocheting into. Yeah. And then I'm going to single crochet, I think this pattern says three times before I do my next. Oh, so that you can keep it going. Yeah, so I can keep it going. And then I'm going to go back, depending upon your pattern, and for this diamond shape, I'm going to go back to that half double that I did my first treble crochet into. Okay. And I'm going to do another treble crochet but this stitch is going to be different because it's going to be a treble crochet two together uh. which don't panic <laughs> I'm panicking. don't panic it's okay. basically a decrease stitch if that makes sense so oh. it's like putting two into one stitch yeah so the way that this works is that for my first treble crochet I'm going to wrap my yarn yarn over twice mm -hmm. go to back to that half double crochet that I did that the first treble crochet in and do a front post treble, but I'm going to yarn over, pull through two, yarn over, pull through two, stop. Don't do anything. Okay. Don't finish that treble crochet. Then you're going to yarn over twice onto your hook, and then you're going to go back down to that half double crochet row mm -hmm. and move over however many half double crochets it tells you to. So I'm going to count over four. Okay. And then I'm going to uh, do a front post uh. treble crochet around that one. So then I will pull up a loop, yarn over, pull through two, yarn over, pull through two. I will have three loops on my hook say, at that point. A lot. Yarn over, pull through all three loops. Okay. And that is finishing both of those treble crochets. And they finish together with one that one stitch on top. Does that make sense? Yeah. So then you have this kind of like v, almost. upside down V yeah. or a pyramid. Yeah. You're right. And then you skip the stitch that's behind that on the, the row that you were working. Mm -hmm. And then you single crochet in the next three. And then you keep doing those keep trebles going. together all the way down. And then when you get to the end, you're on your return row. So then you're going to double crochet your way back. Now, a little trick that I learned that I didn't do on this blanket because there weren't that many cables. But something that you'll notice is that there's a stitch that you skip on each one of those rows. And I'm pulling one out for Nicole see, so she yeah. can see. So one thing that you can do is when you're doing your double crochet on the return back is you can pick up one of those loops so it closes that little pocket so you don't have this pocket anymore. You can store things in that pocket. You can store things <laughs> in the pocket. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But on the skip stitches, feel free to pick up one of those loops to close that off. And so you're crocheting through three loops so instead of So that you're of not two. having pockets. Yeah. So that you're not sense. having pockets. Okay. Yeah. And then cool. so you're on your return, return row, half double crochet all the way back. And then you're going to follow whatever the stitch pattern is. But once you've established your cabling row, your first row of establishment, most of the time you're going to be hooking the next rows of cables around the cable that you've already made. Oh. So she can see when I'm doing my two trebles together yeah. on my next cable row, I'm hooking around the cables that I already before. made, the treble crochets that I already made See before. It. Yeah. It makes this and little diamond makes pattern. little diamond so on cool. it. Yeah. I but I mean, it. that's cabling in a nutshell. I'm going to have to do it with you. You got to practice Treble crocheting is the new stitch to really learn because yes. you do that because it will bring it back up at the height because you're diving down so far. Right. 
and it brings up brings it back up to like a single crochet height mm -hmm. and then you just follow whatever the pattern tells you whatever stitches you want to hook it around you make it so and then easy. you always have a return row you make it sound easy Mm -hmm. if it I was read tricky this the on first a, yeah, time. I was going to say, if I read this pattern, I would die. Yeah, especially if you're looking at the chart. Yes. It can be a little intimidating Don't on the like chart. Don't like that. But, you know, once you start doing it and you get into it, it's really not that bad because okay. it's it's double crochets or treble, treble crochets, which you already understand what those are. And you're only working those on the right side so you can see exactly where you're placing them. Right. And how you want, depending upon however many single crochets you crochet over in your working row, it will direct the slant of that cable. That makes if sense. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then you do little tricks like do two together or sometimes you'll make branches and, you know, make them V the other way. That's and, so yeah. cool. It's fun. Yeah, we'll have to go through it. And don't let me forget to take a picture. Okay. We'll okay. take a picture of the That's diamonds. That's so pretty. She made yeah. this. She's making her blanket. It's about, uh, I'd say, a foot now in width. Yeah. Right? So I've gone through all of the rows. Different. So this is an Annie's Knit Club. Yeah. Or Annie's Crochet Club blanket. And it's a study of textures. So I've gone through all of the Love textures it. that you have in there. And now I'm repeating the rows. So, so cool. Yeah. I'm excited so for it I'm to turn out. Me too. Me too. Gotta keep working on it. <laughs> but that's it for stitch time. I'm so ready for story time. Well, thanks for showing me cable. I, I'm, yeah, you're welcome. I'm glad I showed it to you. And now story time. It's story time. <laughs> mentioned we are going into spooky urban legends that turned out to be true <laughs> now the term urban legend originated in the mid 20th century based on quote unquote too good to be true stories that are passed around through oral accounts it was popularized when jean harold brunvand released his publication the vanishing hitchhiker american urban legends and their meetings this book referred to one of the most well-known urban legends where someone is driving a car and meets the mysterious hitchhiker who vanishes after being picked up. Remember we talked about this a lot in our and the road, road trip? trips, yeah, that there were a lot of so stories many of those, where that right? happens, yeah. Yes. So that was kind of where the urban legends originated. But what if an urban legend passed around and around actually stems from an actual event, uh -oh. location or person? That makes it so much scarier because then exactly. you're like, I'm going to research it and then it's there and you're and like, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I have quite a few today. So we're going to dive into the true stories that were circulated as urban legends. Number one, mm -hmm. the body under the bed. Oh no, oh no. You'll I see, see pictures. Picture. Yes, I'm gonna show her pictures. Now this is passed around since about 1991. The first urban legend can be described as vacationers booking a nice, relaxing getaway at a hotel to get away from it all. They finally settle in, start to drift into slumber, but then can't because there is an awful stench permeating from under the bed or inside the mattress. Upon further inspection, the vacationers find a dead body. No, 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 no. The origin is believed to take place in Las Vegas, <gasps> but the first reports actually date back prior to 1991. 
Mm. Now, I thought maybe this has happened once or twice. It's happened multiple accounts (laughs) throughout the years. I'm going to bring you a few of these tales. Okay, real quick. There's a movie that... um, Allison Brie and her husband Dave Franco. Uh, Dave Franco. Yeah. They made. Have you seen this movie? Uh, yes. They're in a vacate. They're in an Airbnb. Yeah. They're and in they're an like, Airbnb. Why is it spooky? Yeah. Yeah. I and then this. there's cameras, and they think yes. it's the guy who who rented, rented the Airbnb out. to I them. Watched, but did it you watch wasn't it? Him. Yeah. We should have watched that one. We, I know that's a good horror <laughs> no, movie. That's okay. We'll watch that another time. No, this one, the one we watched our movie review today, yes. is going to be oh. in my stories. Yeah. Okay, That's yeah, why. and I have lots to say about that movie, too, because okay. I saw the original when it yes. came out in the movie theater. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be okay. fun. Okay, we'll talk about we it. We digress. <laughs> All right. So, 1982. Yeah, I was born. <laughs> Richard Kuklinski, Daniel Deppner, and Gary Smith were running a small auto theft scam ring. Uh-oh. One day, Kuklinski and Deppner decided to kill Smith. What? Yeah. They are like, let's off him. <laughs> so, oh, no. they fed him a cyanide-laced hamburger in a <gasps> North Bergen, New Jersey motel room. Oh, no. But, well, I mean, at least he got a nice burger out of the deal, but like... No, but seeing that the poison was taking forever, (gasps) Kuklinski ended up strangling him. Oh, no. (laughs) So there was no point to that. They stuffed his body under the bed and left. Over the course of the next four days, (gasps) guests rented that same room and all thought it smelled funny, but no one checked under the bed. Oh, people always look under the bed. That's like one of the first things that I do. First thing you do, right? Oh, jeez. Then, next story. In 1987, an unidentified man decided to swallow 34 balloons of heroin in order to travel easier and undetected. Oh, dude. And guess what? Smart man. Yeah, the balloons burst and he died from a drug no overdose way. in his motel room in Rosedale, Maryland. Dumb ways to die. <laughs> so many dumb ways to die. There you go. His partner traveling with him thought it would be smart to throw him under their motel bed and fled the scene. Oh, they're both brilliant. Yeah. Oh. Soon the room was rented to a family who complained about a gross <laughs> odor to which management found the body. Mm. Okay. At least it was management and not like the a random kids family. The family. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. In 1988, a body turned up in a box spring at the Oceanside Motel in Mineola, New York, discovered only after guests complained about the smell. At least two other guests unknowingly slept over the body before it was found. Oh, no. 1989. <laughs> I don't want to stay in a hotel ever again. Right? I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nicole, we are checking under beds. We got to check everything. In mattresses. Yep. Now, 1989, killer Jerry Lee Dunbar stashed Deirdre Smith's body under the floor of a motel room on Route 1 in Virginia. He initially partially hid her body under his bed for two days, then later moved it to a crawl space under the carpeted floor. Good times. Uh. He then hid Marilyn Graham's body under a bed in the Alexandria Econo Lodge. Both the girls were found after guests complained about the stink. Uh, 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 uh. In August 1994, <laughs> I know I have like many. my noises. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> a German couple spent the night in a Fort Lauderdale, Florida hotel, and the next morning complained about the smell in their room. Staff had already noticed the smell for days, but never inspected that room <laughs> until the couple complained. What the heck? Lo and behold, 47-year-old Brian Gregory was found tucked under a platform bed. Oh, uh, no. 
The staff is like, I ain't getting paid enough for this. Right? <laughs> you guys, I, it's just going to keep going. I'm sorry. That's okay. Keep going. July 1996. Several guests had complained about a foul odor coming from a room at the Colorado Boulevard Travel Lodge in Pasadena, <gasps> California. Oh, <laughs> the motel's staff inspected the room and found a woman's body under the mattress, and she had been there for 10 days. Oh, dude. How do staff Ten not days? see and smell that? Uh, 10 days 10 days that's gross do they have like tons of air fresheners that they're just throwing in there i guess like, oh, i don't know you yeah there's one i'll tell you about okay july 10th 1999 a different german couple <laughs> all these german that's couples. good it's a different german. A different one they checked into room 112 at the burgundy motor inn at, uh, in atlantic city new jersey they can you imagine if it was the same German couple? They're like, I'm never traveling about. to the United States ever again. <laughs> we have the worst luck. Like, <laughs> There's bodies everywhere. <laughs> so gross. Uh, they complained to the manager about the smell in their room, and the management inspected it and discovered the rotting remains of 64-year-old Saul Hernandez. That was 1999. Poor Saul. Better call Saul. Better call Saul. No, can't. (laughs) July 2003. A man had checked into the Capri Hotel located in downtown Kansas City, Missouri. Upon arrival, he went back to the front desk and complained about a foul odor in his room. Again, they basically told him nothing could be done about it. (laughs) Oh, the guy spent three nights in his room. Oh, dude. Then checked out earlier than his intended stay because he couldn't take the nasty smell anymore. When the cleaning staff came in july 13th to fix up the room they lifted the mattress and sure enough found a man's body in an advanced stage of decomposition uh, 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 uh. are we staying in a hotel you, <laughs> i mean imagine the lawsuits like right yeah like you think this would be even though it's morbid a protocol at this point yeah like, yeah check under the beds like when you're cleaning when you've got to lift up the mattress <laughs> if there's a foul smell find it right don't you change eradicate the, if you're it? changing sheets i guess they don't lift the whole mattress but still you'd be kind of moving them and be like why is this heavy or yeah like, i mean most most hotels have like a dust ruffle so you don't true you know but i don't know i mean when when i was little i traveled a lot or a teenager i traveled a lot because i played volleyball and we were traveling every and i would leave i would forget stuff under the bed all the time so it was always you like your check under the under bed there. check yeah. under the bed check under the bed we always check under yeah. the bed and these people aren't <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> oh. okay in 2010 james and Rhonda sergeant rented room 222 at the budget lodge once in the room they reported to motel staff that the room was stanky and foul. <laughs> stanky. <laughs> and burned incense, but that didn't help. Later, sergeants noticed someone else trying to mask the smell because there were fabric softener sheets stuffed in ceiling oh tiles and nooks. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so there you go. They yeah, were trying, trying to, to mask it. it. That's yeah. not going to help. The smell was, quote unquote, strongest when someone sat on the bed. But on their third day at the budget lodge, the sergeants insisted they be moved to another room. Then later, they moved to a different hotel but returned to the budget lodge due to its affordability. They moved among three rooms when they returned and even spent one more night in room 222. The room was cleaned and rented out before police were able to investigate that specific room. So we're going to backtrack January 2010. Sony Millbrook, Lakeith Moody, and their five children were staying in that same room. And on January 27th, Millbrook's family reported her missing when she didn't pick up her children from the school. Moody also up and left that same day. Suspicious. Mm. The police were told motel workers bagged up Millbrook's personal belongings and cleaned the room. And the workers said nothing appeared amiss. February 4th. 
The missing persons unit handed the case to homicide detectives and they visited the hotel, but only questioned motel employees never entering the room. Oh my gosh, that is not doing your job. <laughs> not doing your job. <laughs> Sony Millbrook's body was found under the bed on March 15th. Oh my god. Moody was stopped, the, the husband or the, the dad, uh-huh. was stopped while driving Millbrook's car a few weeks after she vanished and was in detention on federal charges of being a felon in possession of a gun and then obviously charged with, with murder. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Ah. <laughs> Last one. I got one more. So check out the photos. Yes. This is a very posh hotel in Tibet. Yes. Oh, in Tibet? Yes. yes. Very okay. fancy. See, very pretty, right? Yes. It looks like it should be in a movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So these photos are from the Guzong Shuhua Inn in Lhasa, Tibet. A man who was only known as Mr. Zhang checked in and went to take a nap on April 21st, 2023. No. <laughs> hey, this guess year, what? People? That's this year. <laughs> he took a relaxing three-hour nap in his room, but oh, once he no. woke up, he detected a foul odor and assumed it came from his feet. Oh, no. He's like, oh, my feet smell. <laughs> he left the room, returned to change for dinner, but the stench was even more overpowering. So we requested another room. And then in that room, he took another nap. But then <laughs> he's the, sleepy. He's tired. The hotel staff woke him up and asked him to return to his original room where the police were. They informed Mr. Zhang they had discovered a body under his bed. Oh, my gosh. He's like, I'm just trying to take a nap. Yeah, I just want to sleep. <laughs> they took a DNA sample as a precaution, but ruled him out right away since the body was there for longer than he checked in. And they already believed they had the suspect pinned on a train headed to Lanzhou City. Mr. Zhang left Tibet as soon as he helped the police with the investigation and reported to CNN News that he was still reeling in shock from the discovery and struggles to sleep ever oh, since that no, day. Mr. Zhang. Yeah, he is quoted stating, I stay up until 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. every morning and the slightest movement would wake me up. It left me in a bad mental state. Oh, buddy. Oh, I hope you get some sleep now. Yeah, I hope so. Since April, for crying out loud. April of this year. This year. Oh, my goodness. So there you go. That is not an urban legend. That is a factual event uh, that has occurred moral of the the story check your mattresses check under your bed when you go to a hotel dude please (laughs) that's so crazy (laughs) urban legend number two candy man candy man the candy man came so the original movie candy man released in 1992 which angel and i will talk about the new version but she'll probably refer back to the oh old yeah one. yeah that scared yes. me so much okay. a good one yeah so this was based on the clive barker short story and it was about a black artist murdered for having a relationship with a white woman back in the 1890s now if you say his name five times in the mirror he's not going to burst out and kill you what i think in real life right 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 right, right. but the main concept of someone coming to kill you from your medicine cabinet is actually not an urban legend but an actual event. What? (laughs) So this is insane. Back in 1987, an article written by Steve Bogira in the Chicago Reader discussed a disturbing event that took the life of Ruthie Mae McCoy. At the age of 52, McCoy lived alone in a high-rise building, one of seven 15-story brown Y-shaped towers named the Grace Abbott Homes. This was a part of the Chicago Housing Authority project, and in her building was the most 
dangerous. Oh, no. Yeah. Murders happen daily in the area. Oh, Ruthie May. Yeah. Bulgira wrote about how the building featured dark, malfunctioning elevators, pitch black stairwells, and cocaine and PCP addicts on every floor. Oh, no. Yeah. You had to look over your shoulder constantly worried who was lurking in those dark corners. This did not help McCoy... McCoy's already paranoid state of living as she was a former patient of the psychiatric center at Mount Sinai Hospital. Oh, no. She had already told another patient of the hospital that, quote unquote, someone has threatened my life. And the woman she was talking to urged McCoy to report it, but she didn't want to get anyone else involved. Oh. Yeah. So then in April, around a quarter to 9 p.m., McCoy made a 911 call. She was quoted stating, I'm a resident at 1440 West 13th Street, and some people next door are totally tearing this down, you know. The dispatcher, confused, asked her to repeat herself and asked, they want to break in? She responded, yeah, they throw the cabinet down. The dispatcher asked, from where? And McCoy responded with, I'm in the projects. I'm on the other side. You can reach, can reach my bathroom. They want to come through the bathroom. She was able to then, yeah, give her name and address again, but the dispatcher reported that she had a quote-unquote disturbance with a neighbor. (laughs) So police took a little longer to get to her building. Yeah. While the police were on their way, two more 911 calls came in, one from a neighbor walking through the hallway and heard gunshots from her apartment, (gasps) 1109, and the other, a neighbor in their apartment who heard gunshots and hollering from that same room. Two more police were dispatched. Now, four officers show up to McCoy's door around uh, 9, 10 p.m. So that was, what, 25 minutes because math? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Good job. And after (laughs) pounding on the door and announcing their presence, there's silence. They then call the dispatcher uh, to call McCoy, and they can hear the phone ringing and ringing. And they even state to the dispatcher that they think somebody may be holding somebody in there, but there's nothing okay two more officers are at the bottom of the building and decide to go to the project office a block away to secure the key the extra Mm -hmm. key but strangely the key didn't fit oh weird so we can't get it now after this the officers had no clue what to do oh come (laughs) on they talked to neighbors but they didn't help much as the apartment next to 1109 was vacant and the neighbors down the hall didn't see or hear anything So the neighbors that called, they just didn't know they they weren't around. Right. They decided to contact the project office once more for another way in. But the janitor said there were no other keys. What about kick the stupid door down? I'm going to talk about that soon. So what did they do, though? They left. They left. Gosh. Kick the door down, dudes. Well, that's a good, good answer. But I'll tell you why. Uh. The next evening. A neighbor, Deborah Lassie, on the 11th floor as well, called police because normally McCoy stopped by her apartment on her way out of the building every morning as well as the afternoon, but there was no sight of her. So roughly six police officers and four to five CHA security guards swing by, and the same thing happens. They knock on McCoy's door. No answer. Police are now thinking of breaking the door down. Okay. But We're getting somewhere. Yes. The security guards tell them no, because this could cause the tenant to sue them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, she Money. can't sue you. She's dead, <laughs> exactly. dude. Exactly. What the heck? Oh, my gosh. So they up and leave again. Dude. Again. Now, the 
next day, Lastly decides to call the project office instead of the police and voices her concerns to them. At 1 p.m., a project official went to 1109 with a carpenter and they drilled through the lock. Why didn't they do that? Like... <sighs> right away i hate these people so much sad when they finally Uh. entered the apartment what they saw was shocking mccoy was in her bedroom lying on her side in a pool of blood hand over her chest one shoe on and one off papers magazines and coins were strewn around her on the floor when police returned later and turned her the faint smell of rotting flesh rose through the apartment Mm -hmm. she had been shot for times oh ruthie may ruthie as i mentioned murder was not new to the projects here but what made this case so spooky was that detectives later determined that the killers entered her apartment through her medicine cabinet yeah okay real quick yes i know you have more of the story have you seen the tiktok video of the girl who's in the apartment you're ruining am i ruining something okay i'll stop right now yes okay i'll stop right now because that's a part of another urban legend is it really yes oh okay Okay. so we'll talk about that soon but it's the same thing it's very similar okay keep going okay yeah you got it okay okay you're good. They had <laughs> gone through the vacant apartment, removed the cabinet there, and broke through McCoy's cabinet, climbed through the wall into her apartment, and shot her. What's even more disturbing than that is that in this building, the Abbott building, intruders were breaking into apartments through medicine cabinets for at least a year. Dude, really? As it was an easy escape route if police or security were to enter one of the apartments. Oh, my God. Yeah. And sadly, the adjacent vacant apartment was not even locked as it lacked a doorknob. Oh, (laughs) my God. With McCoy's apartment being at the end of the floor, she was an easy target. Oh. Yeah. Now, I I want to end on a note that even if you feel like you live in a safe area, beware. This year, a TikTok video went viral from NYC. This is a different one. Okay. There's so many TikTok videos. I will get to yours. Okay. Renter Samantha Harso stated she felt a cool breeze coming from her bathroom mirror and thought it was odd. So she ended up taking down the mirror to investigate the mysterious draft. And lo and behold, found a gaping hole leading into a strange empty room Uh uh-huh she released four videos as she donned a face mask and headlamp to investigate the room she found it was a deserted adjacent apartment dude yeah see spooky yes i saw is that i think that's the tiktok that i was talking about but yeah well i don't know yeah no i know there's another one yeah so yeah but i definitely there's there was a girl who was like there's a breeze coming through my medicine cabinet and took it off and then you could go into the yeah apartment yeah Yeah. so oh be cautious of if you're living in an apartment but even a house look behind your medicine yes there was also the movie barbarian that we watched it's not very good sorry um that recently was released it's got um what's his name long justin long yes yes where it's an Airbnb and it's got some crazy things at the bottom. You have to. It's, uh, you might want to watch it, but it's not okay. great. But anyway, so urban legend number two, Candyman. Okay. Candyman. Yeah. In the in the new movie that we're going to talk about, they it was Chicago. Yes, projects. the project. Yeah. The same. Yeah. So they, they pulled that from that. Yeah. yeah. It's a very Ooh. similar. Yeah. All right. Urban legend number three, kidney theft. Oh, yeah. yeah we all heard this story. one. Yeah. 
So this legend has been turned into horror stories throughout the years, but the gist is that unsuspecting tourists are drugged. Upon waking, they are in a bathtub full of ice, and a note is left stating, if you want to live, go to the hospital immediately. The tourist looks down and notices they have been carved, and their organs, usually kidneys, are removed. It's definitely a scary situation that you think could never happen, right? No, no. Well, in 2008, Mohammed Salim Khan, 33 years old, aroused and found himself in an unfamiliar house with a stranger in front of him wearing a surgical mask and gloves. Khan was able to speak and asked, what's happened to me? And the man standing in front of him said, your kidney has been removed. Oh, my God. Now, let's go back. We're going to rewind that. <laughs> oh, no. Khan was one of three men who gathered at a central gathering spot where they looked for manual labor. Here, someone had approached the three men on different days over two weeks. The other two were Shaquille Ahmed, 28, and Nassim Mohammed, 25. And this is in India. Okay. The men were offered to work for 150 rupees a day, roughly $4. Oh, no. $4. They were all taken to a house at different times. And this house had a hidden state-of-the-art operating room. They oh, were, what? Yeah. They were held at gunpoint where tests were administered, most likely to determine their blood type. Then the three men were given shots that made them pass out. When they all awoke, they were in excruciating pain and had scars that wrapped around their waists. Oh, my gosh. The man that Khan originally spoke to also said, up, uh, also said while he was waking up, if you tell anybody that your kidney has been removed at this very place, or if you tell anybody that your kidney has been removed at all, there is a man who is following you who will shoot you. Oh, my gosh. Now, thankfully, a few hours after Khan spoke to the stranger, the police raided the home to find the three victims as well Yay. as two other men that were to also undergo kidney removal. Oh. Yeah. Khan mentioned that right before the police came, two servants helped him dress, told them the police were on their way, and they fled. So they were like. Yeah, the servants were yeah, like, we yeah. don't want to have any part of this. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. The three victims were brought to the hospital immediately where they underwent medical testing and the MRIs all concluded their kidneys were removed with the precision of a professional operating surgeon. Hmm. So they weren't just roughly pulled, thankfully. Police also raided a nearby home where an American couple were staying. They needed a kidney transplant and were victims of the ring in which they thought they could travel to India to receive the kidney transplant quicker than waiting in the U.S. (sighs) No, people. Right? Don't shortcuts. No shortcuts. You got to wait. Sorry. The police. Yeah. I always think if it's too good to be true, it is. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. (sighs) The police traced the scam to Dr. Amit Kumar or Dr. Santosh Rout, who had been in the illegal kidney racket since 1993. Dude. He was arrested a few times, but then still continued his illegal trade of organs. Police believed more than 600 people have had their organs removed by this doctor. And oh, my God. Does not have a license to perform oh surgery. No. 600. Thankfully, in 2017, Dr. Amit Kumar and his brother, Jivan Kumar, another doctor, quote unquote, were arrested as they were preparing to escape to Nepal. <sighs> I had to search this. At first, I was like, oh, my God, he's still on the loose. But no, thankfully, no, they, they have him um, there. He was caught. Oh, my gosh. But isn't that oh, scary? That's so scary. Oh, dude. Your kidneys. Ugh. Ugh, 
no. I don't like it. No. Which is funny. I just watched a Simpsons episode. I'd be like, dude, you're wasting your time. I get kidney stones. You don't want these. <laughs> you don't, these are bad ones. Yeah. Um, I was saying I was wa- just watched a kidneys or kidneys a Simpsons episode where his grand his dad uh-huh. had his like kidneys burst because he wouldn't take Homer wouldn't stop to go to the bathroom. Oh, and then he had to donate his kidney. He didn't want to. Kept running. Oh, Homer. <laughs> That's a good episode. That's a good one. Anyway, oh, The Simpsons. And back to urban legend. <laughs> <laughs> urban legend number four. This is where I think you're talking about your TikTok video. The oh, killer okay. in the walls. Oh, so no. this urban legend definitely spooked me out, and the true stories are even more terrifying. <gasps> no. Yeah. This legend typically starts with a family that moves into some remote home or even apartment building. When they start to find misplaced objects and strange noises, they brush it off as someone else in the family causing the odd disturbances. But then a neighbor finds them, uh, finds the family brutally murdered inside their home with no signs of intrusion. Later, they find that the killer had been hiding inside the walls of their home the entire time. Dude, no, 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 no. That's terrible. So. Sadly, the truth of the story actually dates to 1941 with plenty (gasps) other chilling stories of people hiding in homes. Thankfully, almost all of these don't end up dead except this first one. Oh, man. Yeah. So Theodore Conies, born November 10th, 1882 in Petersburg, Illinois. He had a rough start to life. He wasn't the healthiest kid and was even told by doctors that he probably wouldn't make it to his 18th birthday. Oh, so man. he didn't finish high school. Yeah. He's like, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. Oh, he buddy. had a job here and there, but then spoke, spent most of his life homeless. Oh, buddy. In September of 1941, at the age of 59, Coney's was in Denver, Colorado. Where oh, he- gosh. He's 59. Yep. So he he's lived fin- at least 40 years past the doctors like, you yep. aren't going to make it past 18. They didn't have the oh. greatest doctors back then. Dude, yeah. doctors don't put expirations on people's yep. lives like Obviously, that. Obviously, because then it shows that he's homeless. He oh, know what to man. do with his life. Right? Imagine what he could have been if right. he would have not had hope lost for him. Yeah. So. Oh, man. So he was in Denver when he wanted to ask for help from a former acquaintance of his, of his Philip Peters. He showed up to his home at 3335 West Moncrief Place and found he wasn't there. So he ended up breaking into the home to steal food and money. When he Wise found. Decisions. Yeah, right. When he found a small trap door that led to a narrow attic cubby hole, he thought, why steal and run when I can have a place to call his home, right? So mm-hmm. he shimmied his way into this trap door. Dude. He went undetected for five weeks. Dude. Now, Peters was blissfully unaware of someone living in his home with him, and his wife was in the hospital recuperating from her broken hip, so she wasn't even in this picture at all because she was <sighs> up, laid up for a while. October 17th, 1941. Most likely in the middle of the night, Peters stumbled upon Coney's in his refrigerator. Peters, being 73 years old, <gasps> was carrying a cane and in his quick reaction tried to hit Coney's with the cane, but he didn't realize Coney's was carrying an old pistol he found in the house. Uh. Guessing it didn't have any bullets because Coney's retaliated by clubbing Peters with the pistol uh. over the head, mm-hmm. which caused the gun to break. So then Coney's sees and grabs a heavy iron stone shaker and continuously beats Peters with it, killing him. Dude. Yeah. Dude, this man, man, I, like, uh, I'm so upset. He 
his initial thought is, hey, I'm going to go to Denver and ask my friend who I'm currently murdering for for help. And then he just starts stealing from his friend. Yep. And And then he starts murdering his friend. And then he murders his friend. Dude, his choices. He should have finished high school because, you know. (laughs) That's there you go. He didn't. Oh, dude. Well, once he finished with the murder, Coney's crawled back into the attic cubbyhole. Why? <laughs> He's like, cool, I got Nobody's this. in the house Nobody, now. Yep. It's all for you. Well, that same day, Peters was supposed to have dinner with a neighbor, but when he didn't show, the neighbor grew worried and called the police. Upon arrival, police noticed there was no sign of forced entry. The, all the windows and doors were locked. They were able to get in and found Peters' dead body, looked around. Nothing seemed out of place, and they even noted the small trap door, but they thought no normal-sized person could fit it, so they dismissed it. Oh, and no the case, way, man. Yeah, you check everything. You got to. The case remained open. Later, upon Peter's wife, uh, Peter's wife's return, her and her housekeeper would often hear strange sounds in the house. Soon the <laughs> housekeeper quit thinking the house was haunted. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mrs. Peters followed suit and moved to Western Colorado to live with her son. The next door neighbor, Mabel Burke, and her children would constantly see the lights turning on and off in the Peters' vacant home. <laughs> Mabel got so spooked she walked over with her baseball bat and knocked on the door, but no one answered. Of course, yeah. Even police made routine checks on the house. <laughs> but then, July oh 30th, 1942, the police were over checking on the old Peters' home when they heard a lock click on the second floor Uh oh the police rushed up the stairs and once they reached the second floor they caught a glimpse of legs going through the trap door uh-huh. they were able to grab a hold of coney's and pull him down they took him into custody where he confessed to philip peter's murder oh my gosh Pol- he was there for like almost a year huh very long From time 41 to, to 42 Jan- yeah, july yeah. So police detective Fred, Fred Zarno stated a man would have to be a spider to stand it long up there. And local media ran with it, calling Coney's the Denver Spider-Man of Moncrief Place. <laughs> and Coney's was sentenced to life. Yeah. Well, you know, he got all of his meals taken care of and the roof over his head. He didn't have to shimmy in the small corner anymore. The worst way to do it. Sure. Dumb. Yeah. Oh, this poor man. Yes. I blame the doctors. Blame the doctors. <laughs> now, this was not the only incident, as I mentioned earlier. In 1995, a woman came forth that she had moved to Enumclaw, Washington, which I know where this is, Yay. to be close to her brother. She was renting a small apartment, and on the first night, she heard footsteps above her. Uh oh. Through the months, she started noticing her things disappear. Just small things, but like soda cans, food, etc. And then also took note that the doors were closed that she left open or vice versa. So one day she decided to adopt a puppy and she would keep her in the bathroom while she potty trained. One day she went out. She came back to find her apartment flooded, but the puppy was in the sink. There was no way she'd have climbed up to the sink because this was a super tiny puppy. Hmm. she was thankful but thought someone had to have put her there to save her <laughs> it's like okay my apartment's flooded sure yeah, but like my puppy's the puppy <laughs> and somebody did this that's just a wild train of thought thought, thought to right? like go through yeah that's, that's so much to, to take in right? oh my gosh 
So then the woman kept hearing footsteps above her to the point she asked her landlady if somebody was living in the attic. The landlady quickly said, no, it had to be a squirrel or raccoons. (laughs) Hate that. (sighs) No, it's just your imagination. They're just little tiny things. It's okay. Now, one day the woman calls in sick to work and she watched TV in her living room all day. At 11 p.m., she claimed that she got up to take a bath and lit a candle And as she was laying there, she could see her attic hatch was open. (gasps) She put the puzzle together right then and there. Uh So one of the first thoughts she had was if they wanted her dead, she would have already been since she was living there for six months. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh So she's like, okay, so not going to harm her. Right. Maybe. But she slowly and carefully left her home, called her sister-in-law and told her, I think there's somebody in my house. And the sill, the sister-in-law, told her she was on her way with the cops. They never found anyone, but they did <gasps> find what they called a nest of stuff in the attic, a sleeping bag, some food, and a book. Next Ugh. day, she moved out. And to her knowledge, the squatter was never caught. Dude, that's scary. That's creepy. That's creepy. Thanks, landlady. Yeah. No, no, nobody's there. We're not going to inspect it's it. It's probably like... It's your imagination. No, the landlady probably fully well knew that somebody was living there. Probably. Probably somebody that she knew oh. that just like she stashed in there or something. I don't know. I don't know. That's creepy. It's part of her Well, if she's a landlady, so. though, she would want rent for that. I don't think she'd right? let anybody yeah. live there for free. I think she just didn't want to put any like work into that. Yeah, she didn't want to get sued. There, <laughs> there was an intruder living in there. <gasps> oh my yeah. gosh, this is crazy. And then, yeah, I see you have more to this story. So there's more stories. Yeah, yeah, because I'm thinking of one right now, and I'm not going to tell it until you finish all your stories Thank because you. I don't know if you have it on there. I may or may not. I know. Okay. Well, yeah, you save it. Okay, remind me. Next, in 2021, a single mother and her kids were living in South Carolina when she started hearing noises. She said, I kept hearing a bumping, thumping noise. It was either something or somebody in the attic. But her kids thought she was getting old and just hearing things. Thanks, kids. (laughs) Then one night while on her computer, she heard something above her, then strangely saw nails pop out of the bedroom (gasps) ceiling. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) that same night she didn't do anything that same night at 2 30 a.m while fast asleep she was shocked awake by banging in the ceiling so that was her last straw she calls her nephew to come over and investigate for her and when he climbed into the attic he saw a strange man standing there which turned out to be tracy's ex-boyfriend from 12 years earlier what (laughs) They called the police, but he just smiled and walked away before they could obtain him. He had been watching Tracy from a crack in the air vent and looked like he'd been there for at least a few weeks. Creepy. Oh, my gosh. That is so creepy. Could you imagine like an ex just, no. Just standing there. No, just standing like, hi. Hi. (laughs) Watching her sleep. Watching you. Like a wild, a few weeks. No, Ew, not cool. No, man. no, no, no. You're an ex for a reason. Leave me alone. Get out of my life. Ooh, no. Ew. Yeah, ew. not cool. <laughs> That's so creepy. I know. Okay. <laughs> lastly, this is what I was okay. going to refer to. 
Back in 2009, Joe Cummings was living in a small apartment in Manhattan, New York, and noticed that someone was peeing in his kitchen sink and stealing his food. I think this is the yes, one that okay, I, I think this is it. I think this I'm going to show you a video. Yes, I think this is it. Okay. okay, keep going. So he set up a video camera, and lo and behold, a lady was living in a high cupboard area, and yes, peeing in his sink and eating his food and watching his TV. <laughs> Joe called the cops and the woman was arrested. She was living in his cupboard for two weeks and they think she climbed in through the window since it was it has a fire escape because yes, Joe lived on the top floor. Oh my god! And maybe she was going to rob him but decided to stay a while. The video had made a resurgence over the past few years. I'm going to show Angela the video and I'm sure you've seen this. I, th I think this is the one that I was thinking of. It, it's like above his door. Yes. 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 <laughs> People were like, oh, you're is this a hoax? This. And I was like, no, no, this can't be a hoax. Yeah, she's up above the door. Yeah. Yeah. This tiny little, like, cupboard for two weeks. Isn't that spooky? And she just, yeah. That's not my girlfriend. I remember that. Yep. And she climbs down slowly. Because she doesn't want to nope. wake anybody nope. up. Pissing in my sink, and then he fast-forwarded it, and then now she's eating. Look, that's so gross. Yeah, she's just drinking his milk or juice or whatever, mm -hmm. eating whatever is in his thing. And then she sits down and watches TV. Uh, uh, so, it's so weird, dude. Not cool. Oh, just like the balls that this person has to just live in somebody else's house like that. And, and, not, and not be afraid to get caught. Yeah. It's spooky. It's so creepy. Especially peeing in your yeah, sink. Anyway. That is the the, the the balls you have to have. This is it's gross. It's spooky. Insane. So lock your doors. Had your kids. Had your wife. Check under your bed. Check, under check beds. all the cupboards. You, gotta, you have a checklist spaces. now, guys. Yeah, you got to check your attics. Check uh, your crawl spaces. You hear noises. Don't brush them off. Yeah, it's not a raccoon. It is a person. <laughs> if it sounds like a person, it probably is a person. Yeah. <laughs> if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck. <laughs> oh, All right, gosh. this last one is insane. Um, okay. It's very long, so I'll try to get through it. But okay, urban legend number five, the escaped mental patient who snatches your children. <gasps> no, I don't like this one. Oh, no. Our last urban legend for this episode it's a common urban legend amongst heavily forested areas where you hear a mentally deranged person somehow escapes their mental institution, hides in the woods, and kidnaps children who wander off from their families. This urban legend originated in the 1970s in Staten Island, New York. The legend was about Cropsy. If you've heard Cropsy, have you heard that name? No. Cropsy. The boogeyman who possibly wielded an axe, kidnapped unsuspecting children, bringing them back to his lair and disemboweling them. Oh, no, 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 no. Truth. <gasps> Cropsy is based on a real suspected serial killer named Andre Rand, born Frank Rostam Ruchan, 1944. <sighs> But between 1966 and 1968, Andre changed his name to Frank Bouchette and worked at the Willowbrook State School as a custodian, orderly, and physical therapy aide. Now, Willowbrook later changed to Staten Island Development Center. Okay. Mm -hmm. May 5th, 1969, Rand was arrested in the South Bronx area for kidnapping and attempted rape of a nine-year-old girl. Oh, my gosh. How disgusting. I hate that right? so much. He enticed the little girl into his car and drove to a vacant lot where he got as far as taking her clothes off and mm. his before miraculously a police car drove by and stopped. 
He was sentenced for four years, but only served 16 months and paroled in 1972. What the heck, everybody? That is when he changed his name to Andre Rand. And what came next is a doozy, but note, all cases I'm about to discuss to this day remain unsolved. Are you kidding me? Nope. These are all about Rand's alleged victims. Uh This is him. I hate him. Yes, this is going to be brutal. So yeah, trigger warning. This is this is all pretty creepy. July seventh, nineteen seventy-two. Alice Pereira, five years old, (laughs) vanished from her apartment building in Staten Island. She was playing with her brother in the building's lobby, and he left her alone for a quick minute. When he returned, Alice was gone. There was speculation that she was seen in a park close to the apartment complex afterwards, but that was it. Rand was a suspected abductor as he was hired as a painter in her apartment building at the time of Alice's disappearance. Oh, man. The next three cases, again, are not officially connected to Rand, but you'll hear why they're linked. Audrey Lynn Narenberg, 18 years old, visited Staten Island with her family on July 4th, 1977 to watch a movie. Good year. (laughs) And the theater was adjacent to a campsite that Rand had previously visited Hmm. the next day she was last seen leaving her family's home to buy cigarettes two blocks away Nirenberg suffered from schizophrenia and due to this condition she may have returned to staten island the next day because she would repeat her actions that's kind of part of what she did okay just repeat but she was never seen again after leaving her home july 5th oh man october 24th 1978 ethel louis louis Atwell, 42 years old, was a physical therapy assistant at the former Willowbrook State School and arrived at work around 6 a.m. But then two female employees inside the building could hear a male voice outside outside say, come on, come on. But then Atwell yelled, no, you'll beat. I don't know if I wrote that right. No, you'll beat me, I'm guessing, Mm -hmm. and screamed. After they heard this, they called the police. Since it was still dark with no streetlights, they couldn't see anything. But when the police arrived, they found Atwell's tan pocketbook, one earring, one black shoe, three black coat buttons, and part of her set of dentures along the side of her locked car. (sighs) 75 feet away in the woods were Atwell's keys. Oh, my gosh. In the same year, 44-year-old Shin Lee went missing a nurse who worked at Willowbrook as well. Last time she was seen was walking home from the building to her house close to midnight. She was found strangled to death and buried Mm. in a shallow grave near the school on August 6th. As mentioned earlier, since there was no concrete evidence to link these victims to Rand, police could not arrest him, but they believed they were his victims due to close proximity of his camps and previous work site. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? Oh. July gosh. 15th, 1981. Seven-year-old Holly Ann Hughes was last seen on Staten Island. Her mother sent her to the Port Richmond Deli only two blocks away to purchase a bar of ivory soap. Very specific. Yeah. And she was seen purchasing the soap around 9.30 p.m., but she never returned home. Holly's cedar home from Holly's mother... Or, sorry, I said that wrong. Oh, yeah, they're both the same name. Holly Cedarholm, Holly's mother, received a phone call a month later from someone who called himself Sal. This is rough. He told her in order for Holly to return safely home, he wanted Cedarholm to engage in sex acts in front of a camera. 
Oh my god. So Cedar Home went straight to detectives with this info, thankfully, and they were waiting for Sal at the Penn Station in NYC, but he never showed up. Cedar Home sadly didn't even think Sal had Holly and that she was already deceased. Yeah. Shortly after Holly vanished, police did question Rand and searched his car, but they did not prosecute him until 20 years later. Oh my goodness. Because Cedar Home claimed that Rand's voice was the same she heard during the extortion phone call. Also, witnesses came forward stating Rand's green Volkswagen was seen circling the business where Holly vanished in 1981. Rand was convicted of kidnapping Holly in October of 2004. Oh, my gosh. So it took a long time. <sighs> then August 14th, 1983, 11-year-old Tiahis Jackson disappeared from the Mariners Harbor Hotel in Staten Island in the afternoon. This is only 12 days after Rand was released from prison for picking up 11 children from a Staten Island YMCA where he purchased a meal for them and took them to the Newark Liberty International Airport all without consent from their parents. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, how do you do that? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and kids, do not go off with strangers. Oh, no. This was the 70s, so we weren't as, oh. like on edge you know yeah. but still so he uh, served 10 months for unlawful prison imprisonment for just this like 10 months just 10 months Ugh, dude because he didn't do anything to them dude dude yeah, yeah but, he kidnapped them yeah like that's, that's gross doing something yeah. now tia, uh. tia heese was sent to purchase chicken wings from the crown supermarket by another resident of the hotel her mother and uncle were ruled out as suspects as they both passed lie detector tests Andre Rand, Rand had a campsite at the Baron Hirsch Cemetery that was less than half a mile from the hotel. And Tia Heese's mother said she had seen a man matching Rand's description loitering in the parking lot. No charges were filed. Mm. June 9th, 1984, 22-year-old Hank Gaforio was last seen at the spa lounge in the Port Richmond neighborhood around 4 a.m., he went out drinking and was spotted at the spa lounge diner with Andre Rand. He oh, disappeared no, no, no. Don't do that, without dude. a trace and his body was never found. <sighs> Gosh. July 7th, 1987, 12-year-old Jennifer Schwieger, born with Down syndrome, was oh. reported missing. She was last spotted walking with Rand. Oh, no. 35 days after her disappearance, a retired NYC firefighter searched an area around the Willowbrook State School and found a particular sp spot that caught his eye. He returned with the police, and her body was unearthed from a shallow grave. As the police searched the grounds for evidence, they found one of Rand's makeshift campsites in proximity to Schwieger's grave. Yeah. I bet if they dug around there, they'd find a lot more they, graves. They did. It they seems tried. like yeah. that's where he's taken yes. the bodies. In 1988, Rand was charged with kidnapping and first-degree murder of Schwieger. Okay. The jury couldn't reach a verdict on the murder charge because there wasn't enough evidence, but they convicted Rand for the, the first-degree kidnapping charge, and he was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. He was eligible for parole in 2008 if not convicted of that second kidnapping of Holly Ann Hughes in 2004. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Officers and inmates <sighs> at the prison where Rand is currently incarcerated testified regarding conversations in which he allegedly bragged about his pedophiliac exploits, even confessing to Holly's murder to an inmate. And in the documentary 
Cropsey. Detectives speculated that Rand may have been involved in Satanism and provided the children to be sacrificed and not working alone. Oh, no. Rand is still in prison and will become eligible for parole in 2037, where he will be 93 years old. Oh, my gosh. And that's the last urban legend. I left. I saved this one for last because I know it was going to be exhausting. My heart. Right? Oh, I hate that so much. But isn't it crazy that 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 urban legend was going around back then, but it was based on the fact that this guy was out there. He is a literal boogeyman and yeah, like stealing. Yeah. Stealing children and yeah. sacrificing. I mean, that that goes along with that. Um, the, uh, the one movie that we watched. <laughs> so descriptive with Ethan Hawke and he's the writer. Oh, and the, the boogeyman oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that I movie is called. I always forget that movie is called. Yeah, because we didn't Sinister. like it. Sinister. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I hate it so much. I hate it so much. Isn't it sad, though, the fact that they didn't have any concrete evidence to basically lock him up for murder? I feel like they weren't looking hard enough. Yeah. Uh, But if he was working with other people, because that is the theory, they would have been able to probably move the bodies. So I I don't (laughs) I hate it so much. I hate it. I don't like when things happen to kids. Right. I don't like it. I'm like, Nicole can attest to my posture right now. (laughs) I am like as scrunched up as I can. That fetal position. Because that's what we do when we get like, we want to get comfortable. We do the fetal position. So she's almost there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. My heart. Yeah. I'm going to (laughs) cry. Yeah. We got some true crime in there. Dude. That was urban legends. And there's so many more. These were the ones I handpicked because they were a little bit more morbid. Mm-hmm. But there's ones out there that were like rats in the toilet and crocodiles in the sewer. And yeah, yes, those yeah, turned yeah. Out, you know, those, things yeah. like that. Yeah. And those were lighthearted. But these ones were like the ones where you're like, they're gut wrenching, man. Yeah. Cringy, gut wrenching. Yeah. And so the moral of the story. Check everything. Yeah, Don't you get in today? cars with strangers. Yes. <laughs> Stay away from old men, children. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Stay away from strangers. <laughs> check, check your house. A- check your house. Check your attic. Check your crawl spaces. Check under lock your, your bed. Yeah. Lock your doors. Well, lock your doors, but it doesn't matter. If you have medicine cabinets, look in those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Make sure there's no empty rooms or like crawl spaces. If you spaces. feel a draft coming through your walls, check it. Check it. See check what's it. going on. Oh, my gosh. Look under your bed. Just become like paranoid. <laughs> That's what like I feel like this is doing to me. I'm paranoid. I'm like I, you know, we live on uh, in, in a couple acres in a gated. We, you know, we have gates on our property. Everything's fenced and everything's gated. But still, we're like lock all the doors, shut everything in at yep. night. You know, we we get very cautious about that here too yep and oh my gosh in my neighborhood too it's it's got a gate quote unquote i mean anybody can really get in yeah but i gated neighborhoods aren't like really gated no no (laughs) and at first when we first moved in it was so quiet that it scared us that we couldn't sleep yeah it's too quiet (laughs) yeah too quiet you need the city noise yeah Yeah, i get it we got got used to it thankfully yeah but yeah, our houses are just so flimsy that I'm sure somebody could just like kick down a door. <laughs> You're okay. So I was like, great. But anyway, so oh. urban legends. Ah, 
become paranoid with us people yep if you have an urban legend story of your own that you would like to share with us you can always email us at the stitch at gmail.com if you want to see show notes on this episode or any previous episode you can hop over to podbean.com that is the website that we host our little podcast on get any show notes listen to any episodes that you want to re-listen to or that you missed in the past there's also a little button in the upper right hand corner you can click that says become a patron if you join our little patron army we will give you shout outs we will send you stuff we will give you patron episodes you get your hands on exclusive content just to the patrons because we love them so much you guys help us keep this podcast going and we want to keep doing this for you guys because we enjoy building our community so reach out to us you can go on any of our social media platforms mostly instagram sometimes facebook we lurk on tiktok uh (laughs) but if you contact us we do reach out to you because we love talking to you guys so reach out to us today just say hi Hi. we want to talk to you hola (sighs) como esta Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. <laughs> I speak six <laughs> languages. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm exhausted, but we still have one more thing to do. I feel like that's my MO at the end of each of these. I'm like, I'm exhausted because we go through such a ride. So much. So much, but it's like. It's worth it. It's worth it's it. so much it's fun amazing. too. All right. Okay. So, oh, did you hear my little amazing I snuck in there, guys? Ooh, take, take a, a stitch. stitch. It's time for the Candyman. Movie time. Movie time. <laughs> mentioned this week's movie review is Candyman, the 2021 version. IMDb rating of 5.9 stars and the synopsis, a sequel to the horror film Candyman 1992 that returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began. Dun, dun, dun. Guess who worked on this movie? <gasps> who worked on this movie? My hubs worked on Yay! this movie. He's like, I worked on it, right? I was like, I don't know. And he brought up, like, look. I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. Good job. Uh, yeah, 2021. And this movie was only an hour and a half. I mentioned that to Angela. I was like, wow, this movie moved fast. I mm-hmm. thought it, like, moved The pacing nicely. of it was good. Yeah. 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 Like, it didn't have to linger. It didn't linger on anything. It just, like, next, next, next. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't seen the original, Angela, what's the original like? So, I haven't seen the original since 1992 oh, and wow. I saw it. Okay, yeah. okay. But it, like, moments of it are so ingrained in my brain. Whenever right? I see the actor who played Candyman, such a good actor. I'm like, no. He's so he's good. He's the Candyman. He's the Candyman. He's so scary. And, like, there's visions of when the bees are coming out of his mouth oh, that right. stays they with came you. Out, yeah. Uh, but they touch up. So if you haven't seen the original, they do touch like because this is a sequel. They say they touch up on the original in this movie like yeah. really well. They kind of touch like talk about it a little bit at the beginning, but then they dive into it later and the actual events of what happened later. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is it. I kind of I like this movie. My husband was like, I didn't like it, but I thought it was pretty good for what it was. You know, I like the artistic style of yeah. it. I love the shadow puppets. That, that was, was amazing. So cool. Right there. And then you could have made a whole movie with that. And yeah. I would have been so enchanted. With yeah. It. The storytelling with the shadow puppets. Yes. was Beautiful. Yeah. I loved it. They did a great job. They did a great job. And it was interesting how they tied it back to the original mm-hmm. and they kept the the real story of the Candyman 
uh, really alive in this because he is, you know, it's, it comes full circle. Yes. That's the point is that it's embodied. It, it comes throughout full, time. Yeah. 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 The Candyman keeps replacing himself. Yes. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's so, it's so cool in the way that, I mean, there, the, this part of the whole artist, like struggling artist, that mm-hmm. was a little over the top for me because he just gets so involved in it and he's just like, yeah, I'm the artist. And then he's like, oh, wait, no, I don't want to be the artist because it just, it, you know, he realizes what it's about. Yeah, at first he's like, it's about fame. So my name is getting out there. Say my name. Yes. And my name is getting out there. And that was the whole thing of, of the piece that he created on, right. on the Candyman. But, you know, now he's like, oh, wait. <laughs> no, no, never mind. <laughs> never but, mind. And then on the, the, the murder parts of it, the, the spooky, like, killings of it yeah. I thought they actually did really well because um one of the, the scenes I liked the most was when it's the high school girl oh yeah in the bathroom in the bathroom yeah. the girls in the bathroom yeah mm-hmm. and you and that could be that's been done so many times but the way they filmed it they they weren't very graphic about it but you no knew and you what can was happening. you knew what was happening there was you, blood but there was blood and that's pretty much like what you saw yeah. with blood but then they also had a little compact mirror that was cool. Yes, I like that yeah. use and yeah, the small, the small. Yeah, way. you could kind and of see seeing in mirrors and the bees coming in and out of the mirror. Oh, the bee tapping on the mirror, yes. trying to get to the other side. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought that was really clever. Reminded me of the ring with the fly. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> and she grabbed the fly up yes. the screen. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of good elements to it. A lot of good elements. I like the artistic way that the story was told. When he got into the elevator that was all mirrored everywhere. <gasps> oh, I was that like, scared Whoa. me too. Yeah, I was like, oh no. <laughs> Don't go in the happen? elevator, man. Yeah. That kind of reminded me of uh, Insidious 5 again with the claustrophobia. When he's in the MRI. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, the, it's the claustrophobia where you can't get out and you know you're stuck in something mm-hmm. and something can happen at any point and yeah. you can't stop it. Ah, that's yeah. so spooky. Yeah. Oh, but no, it was good. I enjoyed it. It was a breath of fresh air based on last <laughs> last time's movie. It's like oh, everything's a breath of fresh air about. Yay. <laughs> That's our baseline now. We got something like low to compare. No, to. frailty. Frailty is the lowest, no. lowest low there ever I was. Still like that frailty. movie. <laughs> negative twenty five. No, we're gonna make a shirt. Frailty. Negative twenty five. <laughs> Guess what the actors, the, oh no, it's his name in the movie. The main actor's name oh, is, what's his name? Anthony, Anthony McCoy. McCoy. Ruthie. Ruthie May McCoy. McCoy. Isn't that spooky? They tied it. It's and they even talked spooky. about it. They did it on purpose. That's true. That's yes. true. He even, they even talked about it in the movie that the Ruthie McCoy. Yeah. But they then did. they changed it into the Candyman. Yeah. Skin. See, it's all based on that. It's so spooky. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And th- yeah, the acting itself, I was just looking at the actors on here. They did such a great job. It was really fun. The artists and <laughs> <in> the, <laughs> the, what was it? The, um, the show, Uh huh. the first murders. Oh yeah. yeah. That was a little over the top yeah. to me, but that was still pretty spooky with the mirrors and everything. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the screen ripping. Yeah. That was, it was cool. It was really cool. I thought it was really artistically shot. So was the first Candyman. Yes. No, like, I really like that visions, one. Those visions like really stay with you. Yeah. I almost made us watch that one. Uh-huh. But you had to rent it. Oh. <laughs> this one is free, everybody. Free. If you, you yeah. want to go on, on Amazon. Uh, if you have a Prime video. Yeah. yeah Amazon Prime. Yeah. But so. yeah. what do you, How many stitches would you give this? Oh, Jordan Peele wrote it. Oh, you didn't know that. No. Yes. I'm looking at the notes. Okay. Makes so much sense. Doesn't it? He's so good at the horror genre. I like him. I like yeah. his movies so much. 
Ah, uh, makes sense that he wrote it. Okay. <laughs> well, he co-wrote it. There's other writers. With yeah, it, but, you but know. no, it, it came. I think it came a lot from him. But yeah, yeah stitches. How many? Oh, would you stitches. Give it? Um, let's see. We'll give it. IMDb gave it a lower rating than I would. Yeah, five point nine. Five point nine. Mm-hmm. I would say it's uh maybe like a six point eight, six point nine, close to a seven, maybe a seven. <laughs> we'll go seven. I like you're like in there. We'll go seven. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's funny. I was thinking 6.5 to 7, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, it, like I said, it's a good, I probably will see it again at some point. I've already watched it. I have so many horror movies on my list. Yeah. Um, and I haven't seen this one before, so that was kind of fun to see it again or see it at, for the first time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, 6.5 to 7. There are some things that I, that were not like a little miss here and there mm-hmm. that would make me like a horror movie. It just moved. It did move fast. Yeah. Which was nice. It yeah. just like kept like, its pace. You yeah. weren't, you weren't bored. No. <laughs> just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the characters were interesting mm-hmm. and uh, the visuals were really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The end, the end sequence, like you said, with the showing how all the different candy men, yeah that was yeah, so yeah. neat i like that most like yeah. like you said mostly than more than anything else. yeah 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 that was cool and yeah. then i like the way it tied everything back right that that made it really interesting mm-hmm. so it didn't like try to go off on its own or yeah 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 no it's all part of the same story and it makes sense the way they tie it together mm-hmm. so it's really cool yeah yeah yay yay well i couldn't also last thing i don't think i could have crochet to it. i tried Oh, because there's so much visual interest and it moves fast. You don't have any of those slow scenes where yes. you're just like, okay, okay dialogue, 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 <laughs> let's just crochet. No, there's always something interesting to look at. And because always, he's an artist. So yeah, he's, he's making an artist. Things too. He's making things. Yep. And a lot of things that will challenge you yep. visually. Yeah. But the, I'm, I'm looking at, <laughs> we have little trailers going on right now. And <laughs> you get distracted. I yeah, do I get distracted by the little trailers. Me too. But just the the shadow art is the coolest yes. thing. It's my favorite. I just it's just so beautiful and brilliant. Mm. And it's really cool. Loved so, it. Yeah. All right. Great movie. Go yeah. watch it. Yeah. If you haven't already, go Don't watch it. Don't see Candyman. after death, see Candyman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, well, this was another amazing episode. Amazing. So much information. We are all a little bit more paranoid now. So thanks, Nicole. <laughs> yeah. Yay. That's my job. So until next time, we will see you, Stitchers. See you, Stitchers. Uh-huh.